Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Yeh and... Mayu, what's going on, everybody? Austin, how was your night last night? What time did you get home? I got... Not too late. I want to say I got home around 10, 15, 10, 20. Oh, uh, we're at a networking event down, down at Dave & Buster's in Oakville. For those who don't know, Thomas Larini. We didn't have him on the podcast yet. We need to have him Oh, soon. yeah. We got to have Thomas yeah. on here. Can't believe we forgot about that. But he hosted the event. He came down from the States hosted it down in Oakville. It was a great time. We had like, what, 50 investors out there? More. There was a lot Probably of people, more. man. I, I, it, was, it was pretty packed. Like, I, I didn't even realize there was the second half of the room. I was like lingering near the front part. And then I realized, I'm like, yo, where the heck is Austin? I was like, where are you guys? And then I see you guys all in the back. I'm like, what the fuck? Had no idea it went that far. So, um, And it was a lot of people that like, I mean, we never met in person before. We had convert. There are a lot of investors who started the last year and a half, two years, like since COVID. Yeah. And we've never met them before in any event, right? So it's like finally refreshing to meet people face to face. And we met some podcast fans as well. So yeah. uh, shout out to you all. <laughs> who listened to the podcast and uh, reached out to Mayu and I at the event. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think uh, it was just great. Like good conversations happen in kind of rooms like this, right? And it's where like no one really has any particular ask or want, right? You're just kind of updating each other on what you're doing. Um, and you just realize that like everyone is doing so much shit and you just kind of like propel yourself right there, right? And of course, there's a little bit of like business talk that goes down as well, right? Dawson, how's the last week been for you? Yeah. Um, so as the podcast fans are, uh, the audience is going to hear, I'm actually <laughs> not going to be in this episode today. Mayu was gracious enough to run it um, because over the past couple of days, it's, it's totally been kind of a shit show. So there's a lot going on on the wholesaling side of things. So like we work with bird dogs, as we, as I mentioned before, bird dogs being people who kind of send us over leads. We handle the negotiation, guide them along the way and dispo the deal. Um, so it's a deal that we dispoed and the seller um, didn't want to close on it. And they were doing anything they can to avoid it, like avoiding responses with the assignee's lawyer. So right. I rarely ever talk to the assignee's lawyer. There's no reason for me to. But I was on 30, 40 minute calls with the assignee's lawyer, spoke to the assignee, um, spoke to my lawyer, uh, tried to figure out what was going on, how we can make things work, drafting up text messages to speak to the seller because the seller was ducking and dodging and it was just a nightmare. The seller did not want to close clearly. Um, had to like, change it. Like heart. seller's remorse. Yeah. 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 Had had seller's remorse. And this was the sellers like not new to the game. They have four or five investment properties. So they know how it oh. works. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they've had built in equity. They bought this thing probably like 200 K less than what they're selling it for and didn't do any work to it. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. And really it becomes a lose, lose, lose situation, right? Like for me, us, we lose because obviously we're not making that fee. We take your small, we take a reputational hit on the bird dogs perspective. They work hard to get this deal. It didn't close. So they lose yeah. on making money. And from the assignees perspective, they got private money for this deal, right? So they've, yeah. they're obligated to pay that interest nonetheless. And also their lawyer fees. Um, so that was a nightmare, just sorting that out. But that's my long excuse as to why. Is I it closing or what? Today. What happened? Um, yeah, so so it is closing now. We sent a text message to the seller. I could just 
you know what? Like if you want, I could read it out and block the name just so people yeah. have an idea of how to deal with these sort of situations, right? Um, hey, let's say Bob, I was advised the deal didn't close today. I was hoping we can resolve any issues here so we can close the property. It appears your lawyer advised not to sign an undertaking because the payout statement wasn't received by Manulife. So for those who don't know, an undertaking basically means from my understanding that you're going to pay off the mortgage after closing on the property, right? Like we're not assuming that, that um, we're okay with waiting until Manulife sends the document before you sign the undertaking. However, typical closing process requires an undertaking just so we know the money will be used to discharge the mortgage and there won't be a mortgage registered on our property upon closing. Our lawyer has also completed the entire statement of adjustments to help facilitate closing. This is a job that's supposed to be done by your lawyer. Mm-hmm. Also, we foregoed rent adjustments over four hundred dollars. This guy didn't want to adjust for rent. He's like, no, right? Like, and that's illegal. Yeah, and I was like, we're foreclosed that. That's not standard protocol, but we are committed to do this deal with you, so we're okay to eat that cost. We're also going to fully pay for your legal fees. We have the cash ready to close. Our lawyer has proof of that. We wanted to sign all the paperwork and move forward. However, the undertaking form wasn't signed. Again, we're willing to wait until your lawyer receives a payout statement before you sign. Even if it takes a couple more days, we're willing to extend. We're hoping to move forward to close this deal with you. I hope you are as well. Please give me a call so we can figure out a resolution as I prefer to chat with you directly versus getting lawyers involved. From my experience, when lawyers get involved, things are going to get messy. Things are going to cost a lot of money. So I always prefer to work things out directly with the seller to find a resolution. So I'm basically doing being nice, but also saying like, look, I'm going to take action. If it comes down to it, let's not get, let's not push it there. And then what happened? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tell us what happened. <laughs> so he didn't, he, he thought he dodged that, like he didn't respond or call, but, uh, shortly after the lawyer, his lawyer responded to the signees lawyer saying that they're looking to extend and tell they get the payout statement, then they're willing to close. Um, so yes, that deal has been saved. I don't know if it was because of that text message, but I'm, fairly certain he did not want to close the property. Like there were clear signs of it the week or two before. Yeah. Um, but if that text pushed him over the edge to make that uh, decision, then uh, I feel pretty proud of my ability <laughs> to negotiate. That's awesome, man. I was going to ask you how you're doing, but I've just like hijacked. I had to hijack this entire preamble because, no, was, <laughs> because I'm not featured on the episode. No, it was, yeah, it was a good story. I think, uh, you know, we, we've obviously had our own share of buyers trying to, pull out and sellers trying to pull out. And I've had mortgage clients that are in like messy situations with like buyers and sellers on the other side. And there's so many people involved in a transaction and yeah, it's always going to get messy, right? Like I don't think I've had, oh yeah, I've had like one or two like clean closings, you know, where like, like there's no issues, no extensions. And then eventually you just become immune to it, right? You're just like, ah, like I need an extension. Okay. What's the fee? hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Cool. Let's do it. And so here's on, the right? issue. Is, is that people try to click the nuclear button and try to sue or, or throw threats. And that is not what any party wants to hear, right? Like yeah. you start getting defensive. So the approach that we always take is try to be the nice guy, t- try to point out, look, look, we're doing ABC for you. Like we want to work with you. Like let's figure this out because we don't want this to go to lawyers, right? Like, yeah. and when people see that, they're willing to be more receptive to it because, like, oh, okay, like this person is understanding they want to just reach out and figure out a solution instead of like launching nuclear warfare. And that approach typically always outperforms just emailing via a lawyer saying, look, we're going to sue the shit out of you. Like that, be- like that becomes an issue altogether because lawyers make money in both sides, like both clients end up losing. 
Yeah, 100%. I think everyone in a transaction has a responsibility to make sure that it closes on time and timely as well, right? But like everyone will try to punt it to one person or another, like whether it's a realtor punting it to mortgage agent, mortgage punting it to a lawyer, lawyer punting it back to the realtor, it just keeps going in circles. So sometimes the best course of action is literally just pick up the phone and talk directly with the buyer or seller. It's whether or not you can get access to them is kind of the challenge, especially if you're dealing with the MLS, but off market, it's all good. All right, guys. So for today's episode, we had Raj on the podcast. Raj is, he's got a great story, you know, immigrating to Canada and kind of building up his portfolio um, and kind of the different types of properties that he started off with and what he's doing today, right? Um, near the end of the podcast is definitely a great discussion on kind of the cash for key strategies that he implemented into, into his own like portfolio, um, some of the hurdles and some of the headaches that he dealt with. There's a lot of, you know, different insights that both of us, myself and Diraj, I realized also when I, when you're not on the episode, I end up talking way more. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, both of us just kind of shared a lot of insight in our own respective journeys and kind of lessons and things like that, that we learned along the way. Hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. Make sure you comment and subscribe. All right, everyone. So this week, it's just me and Diraj here. Um, so Diraj, for all of our guests, usually Austin does this part of the introduction. Why it sounds a little bit weird, but Diraj, for all of our guests, um, why don't you give them a quick kind of introduction of yourself? Yeah, hey, thanks, Mayu. Um, I really, I was really an admirer of this podcast and always had a uh, dream of coming here. The yeah, good part is I'm here. Yeah, well, we're we're glad to have you on, man. I I think a lot of our guests, um, because we've been doing this podcast now almost for one year, so a lot of our guests that started with us early on have now evolved to kind of you know buy a few properties, right? Similar to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what's your backstory, Diraj? Yeah, so uh, nothing much. Like I, I feel I have like a real standard immigrant story. I moved to this country uh, on my PR. I was in US before this. The okay. US did not like immigrants. So, you know. You went to school in the US? Yeah, I, I did my master's there. And then I was uh, doing a job for almost three years there. Um, then I, I, I moved back to India and then. I came here in 2018, October, and, and as soon as I came in, right, like real estate was always my focus from my, uh, as soon as I was started making money, I would say, right, like I always wanted something and my family is into real estate, uh, they own properties in India. So this was a natural thing that came to me. So as soon as I came to this country, I put my first offer in like six months, Nice. got a deal in 10 months, closed on it in like 11 months. So that was like my first deal. What year was this? Like when did you come? Uh, It was 2019. uh, So things were not going that crazy, right? I came in like 2018, October. So uh, 19 was uh, November was deal that I closed. And then I I, I got to stabilize that property. Like it was a townhouse uh, in Brampton, an old bill. Like the idea was there, right? Like I did not know Burr or I did not know, you know, uh, all those uh, terms or strategies but the idea was always there that buy something that's uh, undervalue uh, stay in it for a few years then renovate it and then you know uh, try to gain that equity and and that's what i did i got the property did few renovations and just uh, sat on it for a few months and then covid happened and then i started like i had a lot of free time to you know just look into my second deal and 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 that's how I, i started doing like my research as to how I can buy my second, right? Like pretty much with the first one, I was new immigrant, so I did not have credit or neither the cash, right? So when I went to the banks, they said 500 is the max that you can buy something right. for. That was for your first one. 
yeah yeah that was for my first one uh so and i was living in brampton back then so i thought uh this is the place that um, i want to be because i don't i don't i didn't have a car when i was doing this so <laughs> so that was the thing that was the idea uh, behind it so i just wanted to buy something nearby uh and the idea was to rent it out and and you know just live on that money like i i would build up the equity i didn't knew i didn't need a house that was like a three bedroom four bedroom so i was like i'll rent it out get the rent for like three bedroom house and live in like one bedroom house kind yeah. of thing Yeah so I I think that's a there's there's something there right like I think a lot of us as real estate investors there's two things right one is we we just kind of end up as accidental real estate investors right so like most of us don't start off with this huge ambition of you know we're going to build this huge empire of real estate properties or anything like that it's just we buy a property because we're passionate about it we we like real estate we need a house to live whatever it is different tethers right so we buy it we see the fruits of the labor that we put into it right like you turned around the town the townhouse I'm sure you saw the real estate markets continue to kind of skyrocket the value and equity that you build and then you go you you kind of reach this hurdle right um and, and that's the point at which you kind of become an investor it's where the, the the moment you reach your first hurdle and you figure out how do i overcome this right so for you it might have been going to a different market it might have been selling off something it might have been increasing your income whatever that hurdle is that for the most part a lot of people in the GTA it'll be something related to financing right but you reach that first hurdle and then when you solve that and you you know make you you got to do whatever you got to do to surpass that now the world just feels like it's your oyster and and that you know that real estate empire seems like so much closer right so um you know before we get into you know what you did later on i i just like to take this opportunity so being a newcomer to canada what are the hurdles cuz like i'll be honest i i probably i've never faced that right so uh yeah. what are the hurdles so the first one is like 100% is your down payment right then and then there's a big 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 curve on doing your market research right Mm-hmm. uh it takes you almost 6 months to just find a place for you to live then being your job then getting a car like canada without car is hard and if yeah. you're living in gta the insurance will kill you regardless of what car you get right so yeah like financing is the big one and then the second challenge would be you know finding the network right like i think now it has become very easy right like uh you have so many groups out there uh but when i came in i didn't even knew that i was supposed to look on the facebook for groups right so that is one thing then like depending on which country you come from right like in india we never we never take mortgages for buying a property so right. uh, getting a heads wrap around the idea of you know owning something but it's technically owned by a bank right <laughs> uh, that's a foreign thing and and there are a lot of uh, lot of things right like learning would be the major one then financing and just as soon as you get into these two things right like uh, then finding a property i think regardless of where you start like a uh, first property should be a small one that gets your hand dirty right like yeah um, i felt that and i did that i'm glad i did that right like uh, and whatever you do how many precautions you take you're going to find something that you were not prepared for and that's that's a good opportunity to learn so yeah very true and like even me still to this day i you know you think you see it all and then uh, like i i just bought a property where the tenant decides he wants to have a little grow up in the back right i'm like oh like this is my first time dealing with you know marijuana grow up in like sheds and like he's like you know siphoning the hydro and stuff like that it's just like super annoying right but there's always going to be some sort of new lesson that that always coming down the road right 
Um, so you had you you so you bought that townhouse, and so I'm curious what led you to because you eventually pivoted to more let's call it like value markets or like cash flow markets, right? Yeah. Um, what made you decide to pivot there? Uh, so doing that in November, then I took like few months to you know stabilize that property, find good tenants, uh, solve some of the issues in the property. At the same time, like uh, me, my wife, we both migrated here. So she did not have the job initially. So she got job at the start of COVID, right? Like that year. So um, as soon as I went to bank, bank said 500, my first property, I was done. So second, she got a job, but the problem was she did not have the credit, nor the down payment, right? We knew that based on her job, we could close a property but banks would not lend the same 500 that they lent us. And, and at that point, I would, in those four months, right, I realized very quickly, uh, my Brampton property was cash flowing 500. That is meaning not covering any maintenance or anything, yeah. right? Like, it's like mortgage, mortgage and property tax. Yeah, which like you live there as well, right? So that's a little bit different of a game, but yeah. No, no, I did not live there. So that's the oh. thing. So that's what I said, right? Like I bought a three three bedroom house. I rented it out. And I was renting somewhere else. So, oh, I, had, so okay. I was building on the equity. Well, you live somewhere else for a little bit cheaper and you, you kind of slummed it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very common strategy that a lot of, uh, a lot of guys do. So, yeah. 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 So by that point, right. Like I had, um, and since I, I was okay living off my salary. So in the next six months, we were able to save like $50,000 wow. and we had something, uh, we were able to build some credit. We didn't know how much. So I was continuously talking to banks and like, I was just trying to make a deal happen in GTA, but deep down, right? Like my realist real estate mind was not letting me do that. Right. Like it was not letting me take that kind of a risk that I was seeing house realtors were showing, or oh, you can house hack it, live like rent out the basement or live in the basement. You pay half the rent. But I was always like, what if one of us lose a job, right? We'll not be able to cover the mortgage. So it it was not making any sense for us. Uh, And that's when I was doing my research continuously. uh, And I got around one of the podcasts uh, that was of GTA. Then I I found somebody uh, in GTA who had like built up a million dollars, $30 million portfolio in less than 10 years. And I was curious as to how they did it, right? Uh, Yeah. So I was just doing my research and, and that's when I, I found Matt McEwer and, and that led me to finding Austin. Ecosystem. The, yeah. Yeah. Once you find like one person in this ecosystem, you just end up like stumbling on like so many other names. It's pretty crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so hold on. So, so one thing that was really important that I think we just kind of skated over is you guys were living on just your income and I'm sure I, I you know, I don't know how much of your income you were saving versus spending, but you were essentially just fully saving your wife's income, right? Therefore you had a super high natural savings rate. So forget the burr. If you have a naturally high savings rate, you'll always just be able to keep, you know, accumulating down payments and just buying real estate properties. And then on top of that, if your real estate cash flows on its own as well, it just keeps snowballing bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. So that's what a lot of, that's, that's exactly how I structured my finances as well. Right. Like when I was, you know, growing, um, all of my money from my paycheck went into like, some sort of renovation or like some sort of like bullshit, like real estate expense that pops up last minute. Right. So that's, that's super important, man. I think you guys nailed it there. So how did you guys, so where did you buy your second property? Uh, so the second property, I was looking into all the markets and then Windsor came to, uh, I was able to find Windsor. Right. And then that's when uh, 
through some videos through some podcasts i was able to find one realtor that i just quickly schedule a call with his associate and and that's where i got my uh, he, he walked me through few properties i had the money the problem with me is if my money is sitting in the bank i don't like it uh, yeah <laughs> i, I I feel my money is like my um, workers right and I'm being the manager right so yeah. you don't like your workers sitting around so yeah, so um, so and and the property was like really under 300000 we had 60000 already saved up so it was making sense for us to buy a duplex for like right uh, less than 300 and from GTA right at that point and then I was not looking for a burr right but yeah. the property became a burr that's a different story So I was looking for a normal property without any renovation, just get in, uh, do normal touch-ups. Even at that time, I was not confident as to what a burr is, how to do it, uh, right? So we we got a property for two eighty, a duplex that had a like a finished basement, but the height was like a bit less, right? So yeah, like a non-conforming, non-conforming kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. So so that uh, we were able to buy that, and then and one of the good part was one of the unit was coming to us as weekend. So we are like quickly paint it and you know get the market's rent on it and that's it. We'll cash flow like three hundred, four hundred dollars right there. I think you cash flow a lot more than that, right? If you had one unit, maybe the tenant was paying you like eight hundred dollars a month or something like that, and then you have another unit where maybe you're getting like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred. I don't know. And then you had a third unit in the basement, which you know that's no. that's a kicker on top, right? Like that's just kind of the cherry on top. So. Um, I feel like your cash flow numbers are a lot higher, but I don't know. <laughs> now, now, yeah, now. So at that point, because I, I like that's the thing, right? Like I did not knew anything. I was just making moves, right? So yeah. at that point, the basement and main floor was rented for eight fifty. The top floor I was looking to rent for thousand um, dollars, and that's it, right? So uh, I did that. I rented the top unit for thousand dollars. So eight fifty, I was having like um, all expenses covered. I was making yeah. like four hundred, five hundred. and i put in property management so i was like 300 dollars there okay yeah but then okay. what happened suddenly the main floor tenant he left without he didn't speak english so we were having tough time communicating with him uh, when we saw the unit the unit was good like i had an inspection done everything the day he left uh, the unit was uh, like really in bad shape the floors were all uh, roughed up and then uh, i went there and like i saw it and and i got uh, then i was like good right it's an opportunity for us then mm-hmm. um there i got like renovations uh, quotes and everything like again this was all happening to me when i was not prepared for it so uh, first thing was like to find contract the second thing was to find money because i told you we just saved 50000 60000 and we bought a property without having uh, any money left the good part is we are like really good savers right so yeah. in next two months we got like a 20000 quote and we said okay we we need to pay it in like next two months right so in yeah. four months we came up with the next 20000 you yeah. got to do what you got to do right like you know shit's going to happen in in real estate right and that's the other part that a lot of people don't understand right it's just like look like if you want this life and if you want to you know build wealth in real estate you just got to deal with the shit that's going to happen like there's no easy way to say in it and you just got to take action and deal with the shit right um so that's good man that's a that's a good learning lesson as well right like The tough part when tenants live there is you don't you're you're too distracted by like okay what's this guy doing like why does he have this like ugly furniture in here like you know you, you, no one's picking up carpets and looking under them to see what's what's the condition of the flooring 
you know, if, if you like, it's, it's exactly what staging is, right? Like staging, you put beautiful staging in a house. You're not going to notice that the drywall is like poorly painted and like, you know, there's holes here and just missing spots there. Right. So that's a, that's a good lesson, learning lesson. But uh, I mean, I'm sure you still did good. Right. Cause if you got a duplex at 280 in Windsor, um, yeah. I, I know what that stuff goes for today. And <laughs> so now then I just, you know, renovated it, like uh, rented all the three units, uh, still not knowing what a burr is, right. Like still hearing about it, not knowing what to do. So I renovated it. I rented it and just like sat there for like three, four months. And, and then, uh, like I, I was struggling with it, right? Like I was, I was struggling with money because I had everything invested, nothing, not able to pull anything back. Right. So there's a really a weird thing happened, right? Like um, I think Austin started like one to one coaching back then, like one hour calling things. Yeah. So I, I got on a call with him for like an hour and he told me, you know what, you're supposed to do this, 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 this. And and that's it, right? Like he just gave me a roadmap to <laughs> how to how to pull money out of things, right? Um, yeah. The biggest problem was I was out of money and I wanted yeah. to scale, right? So he said, refinance the Windsor property, sell off your Brampton property and that's it. Like uh, he just told me those two things and and deep down somewhere i knew i had to sell the brampton property but i like being emotional being my first property and all those things right it, it was getting hard for me and, and none I, of us I, ever none of us ever like selling anything off right it feels like we're like failing or like we're quitting or something like that but yeah go on man yeah but then then that's that's exactly what i did i uh, refinanced my uh, windsor property sold off my brampton property so by the time of that, right, I realized like in those one, one and a half year, I realized that, yeah, online videos and everything is good, right? But there are a few things that you need to do by yourself, right? Like you need to be in those rooms. You need to learn from experts, right? Mm. So I, I joined a small program where they would teach us renovations. It was by Saral RP, right? Like, yeah. uh, so uh, I just learned doing renovations from her and through her program and that's that helped me with my Brampton property right so uh, even I felt like I I was way ahead in taking actions but my learning was really falling back on it right so and that what that did that uh, affected my confidence in executing things right? right so I knew I had to renovate the property and sell it on market but I was like uh, will I be able to pull off renovations will I be able to sell the property that's where those coaching programs or those mentors help you, right? They they tell you what's the, like, in your mind, you have like a really bad worst case scenario. Even you don't think about a worst case scenario, you just think something is bad, right? And they just put it out for you that what's the worst that's going to happen? So what's the worst that's going to happen? The market has appreciated so much. So I bought the townhouse for 435. So I did like a 15, 20,000 renovations in it. And I was looking to sell it in less than one year for 80,000 more, right? So that meaning like 520 was what I was looking at. So making like a 50,000 in one year, yeah, which is pretty standard pretty for a re yeah. real estate deal. Decent. Yeah, it's a good way to return though, right? Yeah. yeah. By yeah. the time wow. I, I planned everything and I thought of taking action, the market has had appreciated so much. I sold it for 190 more than what I bought. Nice, so, nice. so, so, so that you doubled your profit that you were, or doubled or tripled almost tripled profit. my profit that I was looking to get from it. Right. So, so that really helped me with the money that I was struggling for to get my next deals. 
and and at the same time i i'm in this uh, coaching program with cory so that gave me like my action plans right what i'm supposed to keep doing yeah. so i don't keep falling in this uh, loops of not knowing what is my next steps right yeah it's it's accountability right so like yeah. it makes you move forward every single week right yeah. the normal person will move forward right it's not like you know any no one wants to be stagnant in life um we'll just move forward at a different pace on our own right it's very hard to you know david goggins actually talks about this in a book where he says you know we're all kind of operating at 40% of our of our actual like capacity and output right and he he actually rips on coaching a little bit it's actually pretty funny i was listening to it today obviously i'm a coach in the program as well right yes. but you know it's good to you know understand all sides of it so he just says as humans we pay other people um to do what we're just essentially too lazy to do right it's nothing that you can't do on your own right um but it, when someone kicks us in the butt and makes us you know do something on a weekly basis makes us progress you you compress time right so so at this point you had sold off your Brampton house you made a solid profit um and, and then where do you go from there yeah so from there uh, i learned a lot of things right like uh, what it means to uh, make profit on a buy right like how how to do that and what what all to look into the property and at by that time my risk risk tolerance had also grown up i was really confident at doing a burr so now i was like i need to keep looking at properties and when i got into the winsome market right uh, duplexes were selling for less than 300 uh, right and the next time i go back in next 6 months the duplexes were selling like uh, like 450 right? 450 yeah yeah, yeah i was going to say <laughs> so so that's uh, that's like really crazy and the rents not going up as like, much yeah not even like 100 dollars right so it was not making sense for me to do that in that market then everybody was talking about sudbury so i i did the same thing i went to like i i spoke with realtors in sudbury did my analysis but again um, at that time i think we were running into a lot of bidding wars right so mm. uh, that was the other thing um, i knew my numbers i was really uh, strict with my numbers right i did not want to get into you know end up paying more uh, and the idea was always buy on mls like i was not comfortable buying something off market uh, right. at that point so i was like next deal just buy it off mls control the variables that you can right so that was one variable i was comfortable with so yeah then i waste no i would not say wasted but i i ended up spending like four months uh really doing that right really analyzing every deal in winsor calling all the realtors as soon as a deal hits mls yeah uh, and then same thing with sudbury right calling up the realtors as soon as a deal hits mls and and that's when um in my mind i was never tired of doing that but uh, i also realized that i have ended up using four months and the money is sitting in the bank for those four months right, right. right. so at that time i was like uh, assuming and i was always sure that i would only buy like four units more right that is the risk tolerance that i was ready for my next deal either two duplexes or a fourplex right so i calculated my numbers and i saw i had like 50000 more than what i need to do that okay uh, so what i did i just private lend 35000 out of it to somebody <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah. at that time we actually talked about private lending as well right if i'm not yeah mistaken. yeah yeah that's true yeah, did. yeah. <laughs> okay yeah, so, so you, you private loaned out some money um uh, what, so why do you why do you decide to do that like why go private lending right cuz like i here's the thing right like private lending is great i do some private lending obviously as well 
but real estate investing is also great, right? So, so how do you decide between the two? So it's it's all about knowing your plan, right? Like I had all my plans set up, right? So my plan was to buy four units. I knew mm. the amount of money I would need. I had excess capital rather than, you know, letting it sit and, you know, just hope for buying a third property, which would not be feasible with my day job, managing two renovations at two different property. Right. right. Uh, so I said, you know what, lend it to somebody and build a network there, right? Like build a relationship, relationship. and... Yeah. And and that has helped me. Like the I have I have lent to somebody uh, I know very closely now. Uh, yeah, and and that that's the thing, right? Like, um, yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense because you're you're kind of like buying into his circle or his his power team per se, right? Um, yeah. And you get access to that individual as well, right? Like as a lender. So that's that's a pretty good move, man. That's a good decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I learned from that a lot, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, Again, there will be, you are asking for private money. So, you know, right, there will be a lot of people uh, messaging you, texting you, saying, okay, I will private lend to you whenever you ask for money. But as soon as you ask them, they're like, <laughs> oh, I do not have money right now. Yeah. So I had spoken to like the few people, right? You were one of them. Uh, yeah. The one person I lent, he is one of them. So I had spoken to a few people that there's some money going to come my way. As soon as it comes, I'll let you know. Yeah, um, it just worked out with him better just yeah. because uh, the day the money came, he pinged me and then it worked out. <laughs> yeah, so, it's all about timing. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Cool. So, so then, so you private loan some funds out. Um, yeah. And this is the, ne- the next property is one that I really want to dig into a little bit, right? So, uh, why don't you tell our, our guests? We spent a lot, a lot of time on your backstory, but I think it's, it, I think it's, there's good value in explaining, you know, the route and the journey that you took, right? Because anyone can, can emulate it, right? Like majority of people that live in the GTA have bought some sort of a principal residence that, you know, maybe they're not house hacking, right? But they're renting out and they're they're living somewhere else and, you know, all kinds of different things. And then they look at this cash flowing market like Windsor, they buy something there and then they're kind of stuck, right? So now we're talking about you liquidated that first property, which um, like I've sold off, I've sold off every property that I bought like up until 2019, I think. So anything before 2019, I think I've already sold it off, right? So a lot of people go through this journey. So yeah, keep going, man. I'm, I'm curious to hear um, property number three. And, you know, we say property number three, but your first property was a three units, right? Which is the equivalent of like buying three single family houses. And this next property is? Oh, a fourplex. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so the next property is a fourplex. And to every, like by this time, right? I realized buying one unit was, didn't make sense from the risk point of view, right? Being empty. Uh, so I was looking into Sudbury and the like Windsor, but, uh, and I was, uh, I was talking to my coach all the time about it. And at that point, um, my coach is like Michael Walsh. He invests in Niagara region. So he, he hooked me up with my realtor there. He said, you know, why don't you talk to him? He's a new re- upcoming realtor up there. So I, I spoke, I spoke to him and he has a really dedicated work schedule when it comes to working on MLS, right? So as soon as a deal hits MLS, he just sends it out to all the people who are really interested or who who work with him. So he just, uh, I think at that point, he was not in this country. Um, okay. Yep. So he sent out the deal to me and then I liked the numbers, right? It was uh, listed for 400, a four unit, like purpose build, really big. Uh, this is Sean, isn't it? It's Sean. Yeah, right? it's Sean. Sean <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. so like, it's it's a really big uh, big lot, right? To say that, and I have I did not see the, like all my properties except the Brampton one. I closed on them before going and seeing them. So um, 
he got somebody to walk through it uh, we did not see a lot in the walkthroughs but then we were able to put inspection clause in, in there which is what i i love i don't care if i'm not able to see it yeah. as long as an inspector is able to see and inspect it so we put an inspection clause in there uh, and at that price range we knew the property would have some issues right in it we went at 440 uh, just to kill all the competition we knew that people would have to come at that price uh, if they want to compete with us Yeah and that's it right we went with an inspection clause uh so let me just add one thing there right so the inspection clause um because you're an investor that's long distance right so yeah this is a part that i think a lot of people don't understand is we're not going out and looking at every single property we make an offer on right cuz then if you go with that route you can only make an offer on i don't know one property a week one property every like 2 3 weeks right cuz like how often are you going to go all the way to niagara or all the way to windsor or sudbury right Yeah. So every single offer that I make, not maybe 80% of the time is always conditional on give me 3 days. That's all I need. 3 days for an inspection. I'll get my inspector in there and as much as possible I try to coordinate those 3 days so I can get a weekend in there, right? And then if it's a weekend and if I'm not doing anything, I'll just quickly drive up there and like check it out, right? But the important part is you only go and check it out once you have it under contract, right? Cuz like time yeah. is super valuable, right? Um and similar things right like by this time right it has been 2 years of learning right so i had learned to look at pictures learned to do my analysis and and just be confident on on my knowledge of looking at pictures right like initially i had the fear of what if they are just putting good pictures right i don't care now i have an inspection clause even if they are putting good pictures the inspector yeah. is going to catch few things in there right and again the price generally tells you the story right fourplexes are selling for 500 plus if somebody has listed it for 400 is willing to sell for 450 obviously there are issues that are worth like 50000 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah as long as they leave a little bit of the meat on the table for you as well to reap the benefits from right like there's nothing wrong with that right like you yeah. it's a win-win scenario you're taking over his headache um you get a solid deal and you put in you get rewarded for the work you do right that's a big, yeah. big important part So tell me about the fourplex. So you bought it you bought it at 440 you said? Yeah, so we put an offer at 440 with the inspection. So we bought it from somebody who was like really old. He was selling two fourplexes. Okay. We had a condition of inspection the other guy did not have. The other fourplex was smaller than ours. Uh, that got sold for 450 and we got for 440 with an inspection. We did our inspection uh everything that we could see right the windows were old the roof was bad uh, something that you could just walk to the property and see yeah. uh, we just gave it in writing to him in an inspection report and we said we want like 40000 off yeah. <laughs> just to see if he caves right uh, yeah. he said um, no 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 but what i'll do is i'll give you like 20 off I'm like okay like $400 and yeah. getting like a 20000 off right yeah and yeah. on something that you can see as you walk to the property uh, but that's the thing right like we got it for 420 with four units every all the units were under rented uh, so we close on it and that's it right like once we got the property i had to just work on my way of getting all the tenants out because the property was really under rented uh, the funny part is financing for this right so let me tell you the financing story of it so by looking at the pictures the videos right we knew we knew the property was in rough shape but people yeah. were living there right yeah. so you think if people are living the lenders will lend to you right yeah it's it's 
So what the A-lenders look for is, is it in livable condition? But yes, you, you're relatively correct in that if people are living there, it's in livable condition. Now, some people will live in some, some yeah, pretty so, messed up scenarios, right? <laughs> so I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that. Uh, so I, I just thought, okay, I had my standard uh, bank that I go to. I have my mortgage broker there. So I just went to him. He, he looked at it. Uh, he put an... Uh, appraisal out and he got like um the lowest he got was 480 and he was okay. like yeah the the pictures look like really bad but yeah you got it for 420 so it doesn't make like people are living it there fine. Yeah. It, it's fine right we'll lend to you and then the file goes to underwriter and and a week before uh, my mortgage agents call, calls me up and says hey the underwriter has problem with the appraisers comments the owner has told him that the issues in the building, like there were some water leakages here and there, the roof was bad. So many things, right? You. <laughs> the, the seller has, has told him the issues are there forever yeah. and nobody, like he did not get the time to fix it. So the bank is not willing to lend you uh, 80% loan to value. Uh, okay. so I'm like, what are you telling me? Like in like two months before my closing, uh, sorry, yeah. two days before my closing, and I, I, because my money was sitting there for like a long time, right? So I had like 25 days closing time. So, and I knew like property is livable condition, like people are living there. Uh, mm -hmm. So I had like A-lenders will lend to me at that time. A-lenders were taking like 25 days. Um, so I said, it's a good deal. And I know the property is undervalued. So I see no problem for A-lender to give me a mortgage, right? Yeah. Um, and then two days before the, before the closing, I was running left and right. Like I was calling him again and again. What is the problem? Talk to the appraiser. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm taking to fix the property. And I uh, I was doing that. So he was like, okay. So the worst case is they will lend to you. First, they were not lending to me. But then they said they will lend to you if you give them a few quotes, right? Of the few renovations that they want to be gone. So like I had to find individuals who could give me quotes. Uh, in one day right all contractors would be no i need to look at it i'm like no i don't want you to do those for me yeah i just want a quote and that is like a weird part right like if you don't have an have a network a relationship yeah, yeah 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 so uh john from blackjack right he was yeah. uh, really good and he really helped me there he just said oh i understand what you're going through so let me do this let me send out a quote tonight and we'll see what happens, right? That's like amazing. Uh, that's amazing service from them. Wow. Good yeah. So goes to blackjack contracting. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why that's why I'm I'm just name dropping them here because those yeah. guys really helped me at that point. If they, like uh, none of the other contractors were willing to give me a quote, they give me a quote right away, uh, and and that's it. Uh, I submitted it to the bank. The bank was I was still fighting. Um, so I. They were saying we'll give you sixty percent loan to value. At the end, they agreed to like sixty-five, uh, okay. uh, but that happened like four o'clock on the day of closing. And and my lawyer is the person who will call me three days before closing and say, "Hey, your money has not come in yet." So yeah, which is like it never comes in three days before <laughs> yeah, closing. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be happy if it comes in twenty-four hours. If not, yeah. it's maybe the day of, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so wait, so you had the extra cash to cover the shortfall, I'm assuming from yeah. the sale? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was, I had the money to do the renovations, right? Mm. Extra 50,000 that I was looking to put into renovations. So I had that money. So I was like, no worries. Let's 
even if at 65% i will close it yeah. but just close the deal for me right but yeah. my mortgage agent were no 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 i'll get him at 6 like 70 that's what he said right. uh, it did not happen it happened at 65 i had the money i just closed on it uh, right. so that that's how we did it and like <laughs> that's a funny story right the lawyer was calling me at 12 o'clock and he's saying hey i will not close it today because you're too late uh, for <laughs> today's closing uh, because he likes to work on time right i was like give me one more hour and after one hour again i was like give me one more hour at three he was just pissed he just was like because if you ask for an extension it's like a thousand dollars more you don't want to give like you're already giving like 20 percent to the bank you don't want to give that extra thousand and yeah. i had I, i was shouting at my mortgage agent i'm like it's okay close at 60 percent i'm okay right i don't want to pay the thousand dollars penalty and at four o'clock i was able to get the money um we were not able to do the title transfer the same day but like we were pretty much able to do it without uh, like a $1000 penalty i think we yeah. were charged like $300 yeah yeah which is which is a pretty standard like you know the extension like i i've given people like if i'm selling a flip and someone needs an extension i'm like fine like if the day or two like i'd rather just this deal closes right and like we have no problem uh some people like it's usually when the seller is pissed and they regret that they sold the property that's when you're in trouble right because then they'll they'll do anything possible they'll say no extension if you can't close you can't close the deal is dead right and that's where you're in trouble but most sellers once you see the money coming in you're like I'd rather wait a day than have to wait like three months and try and resell this again right so yeah um yeah man that's all and you know what I really want to talk to you about is so you bought this property fully tenanted right yes So then what did that what was your game plan because like now you so, can't really burn it so the idea was like i i had prepared myself to you know get rid of few few of the tenants uh, right away uh, i didn't knew which ones uh, i was just going to go there do like talk with them and see who would agree for cash for keys right um, the good part was uh, austin got an eight plex at the same time and he was putting out stories of cash for keys <laughs> at the same time so yeah. i was piggybacking on his knowledge of how to do it Gotcha. Um, how, how did you do do it because that, that's probably one of the main questions i get yeah, asked quite yeah. a bit um you know what did your cash for keys negotiation strategy look like so the first week uh, as soon as i closed in i went to meet them the first weekend and i just spoke to them the first thing i did was you know just go there and ask them how how they feel living in the property right mm. um, if the property is bad 99% of the time they're going to say we don't like it right so my tenants let me tell you the tenant profile so that will help you understand uh, like different strategies so one guy was living there for 10 years he never opened a window smoke like hell had dead cats in there he didn't realize dead cats dead cats yeah he didn't realize he had dead oh, cats no so the house oh. you could not stand there for like a minute he used to work uh, night shifts so he used to sleep in the day i was not able to get hold of him the other guys had moved in just recently they were a couple with a kid they didn't like the place the landlord had uh, you know uh, like he he just got them in there and just was making sure that his his unit is not vacant right so they didn't like it either the roof was like literally you could say the building did not have a roof that kind of thing because every unit was getting water from the roof even the ground floor units uh, yeah. okay yeah so then there was uh, one more guy who was living there for 13 years he was maintaining unit really good he he redid the floors he redid the paints and so, everything self because he was paying 480 right he was uh, like okay. i would do anything but not leave the place right yeah 
and then there was a uh, there was a drug addict in there who had like he did not have walls he was he removed all the dry walls like he punched yeah. them i think you saw a few of my stories yeah. he had like knife throwing events there he had a machete there everything right so the first week i went there i just spoke to two tenants and uh, i thought at least the guy who was maintaining his own unit he did not have the problem with the unit but with the property just because he was living next door to a drug addict mm-hmm. um, the other other guys they had problem with the unit um the third guy I was not able to speak to and drug addict i didn't even meet him like till very late kind right. of thing so the next week then i thought okay now i have the list of problems uh, at the same time i was not able to get property insurance so i got an insurance they came in they inspected they just rejected saying it's too risky for us to uh, insure the property no. just, yeah so i just used it to my advantage i just went back and i said you you know what guys i'm not able to get property inspection uh, insurance at the same time you are not happy with the property so why don't i do this right uh, i at that time i was able to speak to all the three tenants right except the druggy guy so i just went in i said you know what i'm not able to get property uh, insurance at the same time you are not maintaining the unit or the landlord has not maintained it for you and it's literally falling apart right like yeah the guy who yeah. was living there in 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 the stink he was like he's not opening a window so you could literally see webs in his right in his place right and he was smoking non stop so i just went in i just said you know what i'll give you 2 months of rent why don't you leave he said yes <laughs> <laughs> nice so the, the next guy i went to the family the couple right i said uh, i'll give you 2 months of rent you just leave and he, they started shouting back at me they said like you know what i'm calling my lawyer this and that and i i just i just gave them the papers like the cash for key agreement uh and and that that's it i said you know what you call anyone you want you show this document if you feel it's illegal let me know i just left and uh, then i i went and spoke to the third guy and and everyone i told the same thing you have like end of day to sign it right mm-hmm. um and i went to the third guy I, i said the same thing like you have end of day to sign it that guy is a funny story we'll come back to that then i went to the druggy guy he was hammered and that was the first time i went into unit so he got uh, unconscious sometime back and they changed his lock and he did not give the keys to the landlord basically so we could not even get into his unit and he had a barricaded system in there what it means is you can have the key but if he's inside he'll barricade it like the okay. old roman they will have those uh 4 by 2s right in there yeah the multiple locks basically no 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 he had like a big barricaded systems in old movies you would see right they would have big doors and they would put in the barricades behind the door so oh. nobody would have yeah so yeah he, that basically like people must have, like his druggy friends were probably trying to like break yeah. in yeah okay okay yeah so i got into his unit he was fully hammered i i spoke to him and i was like um hey uh you cannot live like this and i was in shock that was my first time seeing a unit in such mm-hmm. a bad shape um, i was a bit scared right to be yeah. honest right yeah yeah so sure, man for sure yeah yeah um, but i uh, i hold on to my nerves and i was like hey you cannot live so bad uh, the good part was my voice did not stammer right yeah. so, <laughs> so he was like what do you mean i'm like what do you mean i mean the holes in the walls yeah. the fridge being literally open and not closing the door of the fridge yeah right? and then uh 
two feet of garbage in each and every room. I mean that. And he was, uh, and, and I did not let him speak, right? I did not let him give explanation. I just went ahead and said, you know what? You need to leave. And this is the deal I'm giving you. Either I'm calling the cops on you or, you know, getting you thrown out or you take the two months of rent and you just leave. Yeah. And, they just ag- and he just agreed and he's like, where should I sign? <laughs> <laughs> so signing is not like, so signing is not the, it doesn't mean they will go, right? So yeah. he just signed and I was like, okay, at least now I have a proof that he will leave. The worst case, worst case is I'll, I'll take him to LTB. Yeah. Uh, so then the funny story is the guy I said, right? Uh, the guy who was living there for 480, he said, you come back in the evening, I'll sign it. I went back in the evening and he's gone. He's gone. I waited outside the apartment for like two hours for him to show up. He stopped picking up my calls from that day. Um, and that was a shock to me. He was all nice. I thought I was giving a fair deal. Uh, to him, I gave like more money than everybody yeah. else because two months of rent was not good enough for him, right? Yeah. But he still did not, uh, he was not cooperating. And I got a bit scared as to if what if he lives in there. But again, right, it was not like a worst, worst case scenario. Your mind just plays games with you. Uh, but I kept on working on it, right? Like. And then what are my next option? I, I thought of serving him an N13. That means I need the unit back in four months for renovations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's it, right? Like then I, I served him an N4. Like he would not pick up my calls, right? Uh, everybody else was not supposed to pay me rent because uh, they had two months to leave. And those two months, uh, I just uh, did not collect rent for those two months. So they just have to leave at the end of those two months. He was supposed to pay me rent because he has not signed the cash yeah. for keys. Um, and he, he would not call me for rent. He would not reply to my calls for rent. So I, w- I would just drop an N4 for being late on the rent. Yeah. Um, and and like after one and a half month, I finally caught him in, in the building, right? Uh, while collecting rent. And he, he was shouting at me. He's like, you're dropping a lot of, you know, forms, this and that. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not picking up my calls. You're not replying to my text messages. So I'm like, so at this point, right, I had made up my mind that he's going to be in the unit mm-hmm. uh, because everybody else had signed the uh, cash for key agreement. Again, I was pretty confident I would have trouble. pretty happy, it. like three, three out of four units becoming vacant. This guy's probably, you know, he's a pretty good tenant for the most yeah, part. Yeah, he's, he's being dirt cheap, but I'm sure your numbers are still pretty solid, right? So, yeah. so, so what mean, happened? So he ended up agreeing to leave or no? Yeah, so he was really pissed and I said, you know what, during the renovations, I still don't have insurance. I, I had insurance, but I said, I still don't have insurance to cover you in those renovations. So you have to, you know, either be somewhere else while the renovations are happening. I cannot guarantee there would be light because, again, I was doing the electricals. I was not sure about the plumbing because it was behind the walls, right? So I told him all this and he was like, um, I don't care what, what you're doing. I'm leaving. <laughs> and I was like, are you... Serious? I was I was really happy inside, but I did not show, and and then I was really happy for fifteen minutes, right? So it clouded my judgment, and then he just left. And as soon as he's left, I like I did not get the N eleven signed, like the cash for key agreement signed. Yeah, yeah, damn, right. So at the end of the thing, uh, August first, I go in there. Everybody has left except the druggy guy. This okay. guy has all also left, but he. I, he has not given back the keys and he has not signed the cash for key agreement, right? So yeah. I call him, I say, you know, you have to come back, give me the keys and sign the agreement. So he comes to me and he says he has not yet decided whether he's going to come back or not. 
like because they have the option to come back right i have served him an n13 which means he can come back he just cooperated emptying it earlier than uh, requested Mm -hmm. i'm like damn again i have to fight that part um but two weeks later he he just uh, text he just texts me saying that you know what if you pay me this amount of money like 2500 i leave i was i, I was paying him 2000 i know over there you run over there with the money at that point <laughs> same no, night same day that's it let's do this don't change your mind tomorrow right <laughs> so as soon as he sent me that message rather than doing any night like okay that's yeah. it when do you want to meet right um, and that's it right he came in he signed and he left so the problem was on august 1st i go there the druggy guy is still in there mm-hmm. yeah and i'm really pissed right i'm really pissed because by that time everybody in the neighborhood knew that i'm getting all my tenants out my building is like you know the famous building on the street because right. of two reasons people who who come and buy drugs from him and people who don't like people buying drugs from him right 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 so and so that's it right like so everybody is coming up to me and saying hey he has not left right like you need to push him out and that got me like really angry like uh, he he took the money is not leaving yeah um, i started banging his door like crazy and i knew his inside I, like people have told me if you his his inside you knock his door he never opens and that's the reason i was never able to meet him he never opens I tried it for 15 20 minutes continuously banging the door he did not open um, I just went because I knew that the trade with that thing was like every 5 minutes there were people coming up to his door so I just stood aside 5 minutes somebody came in he just used his standard knock which makes him open the door as soon as the door was open I was in I was like dude you need to be out by today his and he started throwing all his tantrums right like every trick they can use against you right uh, yeah. but you i just did not care by that point i had like really good confidence in myself i just did not care i was like what what is your problem so the worst thing at the end the last thing that he came up was i don't know how to move i don't have people to move i don't know so i said you know what i'll pay you the moving cost get out of the unit by the noon so that's what he did right like he did not take all his garbage right like he yeah. had like ton of shit but i ended up still paying for for his moving and and throwing his garbage but he was out right where where did he go where did he go there there's an another house that does the same <laughs> thing so he just went in there right yeah yeah so so that's the thing right and i i really hate this part about ontario right like um yeah like the cops were there at my building they were saying I, like i cannot say what they were saying but they were like they knew every like most of the things right like they know what's happening they know things around but that's the problem right like we need to yeah. work things out right um yeah. there are legal procedures that they have to abide by even even though they have signed documents they if they don't want to leave they just don't want to leave right yeah. regardless of being a drug addict or not or being whatever kind of person if somebody decides they don't want to leave even you paying them you run into problems right but the good part was i was i showed more confidence than him at that point of time and i just threw him away at 4 o'clock just <laughs> bolted the whole building and that's that's it for that day that's dope man that's that's quite the journey you've been on and the one thing i'll say is like throughout your journey i think um there's been multiple instances where you're faced with a hurdle and it's just about like how do you overcome it right um and the longer you stay in this journey 
you know, the more shit you're going to see and the more crap you're going to be dealing with. And it never really, the one thing that I will tell you is you eventually just become immune to it. Right. You're just and like, I, all right. I like, I guess I he's not leaving. I guess like, whatever, like it is what it is. They're going to deal with it now. Right. So you just become more and more immune to it. Right. Yeah, with um, every every deal, right? I have become immune to one thing, right? The first deal, I have become immune to tenants. The second deal, I have yeah. Im- become immune to renovations. That your budgets are gonna go wacky, right? Yeah. You end up gonna you need to be prepared for renovations. The third one was like everything would go wrong. Yeah, just delayed, like delayed closing now is just gonna be like okay, like delayed a day if you have to, like quit. It's just whatever. <laughs> so, so the Brampton property that I sold, right? I I gave them two, two and a half months to close and they took and tw- 21 days extension multiple times, right? Like <laughs> they took like seven, seven, seven days. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of thing, right? Everything will go wrong. Uh, and the mm-hmm. good part was I had put in an offer in Sudbury 10 days after my closing <laughs> of oh, Brampton. Okay. Yeah. The good thing is it did not get accepted. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. Cool, man. So, so that sounds great to you. I, I think there's a lot of kind of insight that you kind of shared there. And um, I think it was just fun, like ni- nice kind of talking about the different struggles and hurdles that you've overcome. Right. So it's so generally at this part of the podcast, um, we kind of like to ask our guests three questions. Right. So the first question is, you know, where are we going to be seeing you five years from now? Like, what's your goal? What's your vision five years down the road? Uh, I, 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 I just... I don't, I don't have a really good answer for that. I would just mm-hmm. say doing the same thing, right? Like working, uh, working my day job and trying to build my real estate portfolio, right? I, I really want to move into multiple units, right? Multifamily properties, uh, maybe pick so up. Do you, like, few, do you like your day job? Not really, but that's, I, I need a day job, right? Uh, what I have realized if I have more time free. Yep. Uh, I just end up wasting it. But if I have your productivity, all my- your productivity drops, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I tell people this all the time. It's either I'm at 120% productivity or I'm at like 30% productivity. There's so, no in between here. <laughs> yeah. I may, I may end up changing my day job, like doing yeah. something else, but mm-hmm. I will at least have two jobs, right? Like a real estate being one job or one thing and then something else, right? Uh, it's just helps you take your mind off one shade if it, if you are dealing with something in one of uh, 100% things, right? man I, I agree entirely with you so so let me ask you the second question then if you had 10 million dollars today what would you do with it you can't spend it all on real estate yeah so I, I i really have a good answer for that i think so i i would like to buy a boat and just go around the world just sailing oh, that's deadly man i don't know no, if no, i'd no. go for a boat a, a plane would be cool no, so I have seen, uh, like on YouTube, I have seen a lot of couple do that. They just gave up their life. Yeah. And it's people from IT. I am in IT as well, right? So they just got fed up with their day job. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just buying a boat and sailing the world. So I would like yeah. to do that. Uh, $10 million really helped me with that, right? Like, I don't have to worry about Anything working better. on the boat if it breaks down or something, right? So just. 100%. Man, that's awesome. And if uh, I you, have enough money left, right, I would also buy an island. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An island guy. That's very cool. It's a little bit of a different answer from what we normally get. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the last question is if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why? I really uh, want to have like two people together. One is dead and one is alive. Like, I would like to sit on a table with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and, and just let them talk about, uh, 
their life journey right i would ask those same questions to them right. and see how they answer they did similar kind of things but their methods were different right so i right. just want to know uh, the contrasting of it right i just like to be in that room yeah for sure man that's a that's pretty cool actually to see, to see both of them together all right diraj i think that was a that was a great episode for anyone that wants to kind of get connected with you follow along your journey um and and just build relationships with which you're definitely like a you know pretty big on relationships right um, yeah. how can they go about finding you and connecting with you so i i i'm on instagram with invest with patil that's my handle and then on facebook i'm with my name like dheeraj patil and i really like to connect with people right uh, being an immigrant i have learned this right you need to know people you need to build that network so uh, i i just want to help others do the same thing that i am doing 100% man I, i think this was a great episode i think um you know just looking back like a lot of the the stuff that you talked about is things that i definitely dealt with like earlier on in the journey so i just brought back a lot of memories and hopefully you know our listeners are going through very similar journeys and and they're kind of all at the same hurdle right and yeah, you're yeah. definitely a great guy to get connected with super humble and uh yeah so congrats on getting the seven units i'm sure you're going to you know get so many more austin is way better at doing these exits than me but uh guys hope you guys enjoyed this episode make sure you uh you know subscribe to the podcast leave a comment if you enjoyed it uh shoot the roger message on instagram once again that's invest with uh, patil p a i l or e l yeah yeah t i l t i l right okay at a feeling um cool guys and uh we'll see you guys on the next episode thanks yeah thanks